so I'm, I'm pretty sure I didn't, uh, maybe I haven't uh, uh, introduced myself. My name's Arnaldo. I'm from the Dulwich Hill Gospel Community. That's right. And uh, we're in the middle of this series called uh, uh, Presence and Power, the Holy Spirit. And it's been a burden for the leadership team, for Matt, Brad, and Brian, that, that what we need and what we want is, is for us to uh, uh, um, uh, know more about who the Holy Spirit is, His person, and His work. And not only to know, but to experience Him in newer, in fresher, in deeper ways. And not just here as we gather, but as you go out. As you're changing a diaper, as you're in class, as you're washing the dishes, as you're in the office, we want you to experience the Spirit in those things, not just here. Yes, in your gospel community. Yes, in our gatherings. Yes, in your triplets. Absolutely. But we want you to experience the Holy Spirit in all of life. And so often, when we think about the Holy Spirit and the work of the Spirit, we, we think miraculous signs and wonders and fireworks and, uh, you know, all the, the, the things that will show up on the 6 o'clock news. Those things. We think, oh, that's the Holy Spirit. But today, what we're going to be looking at is just the other side of the coin. Because the Holy Spirit, his, you know, he, he, there's this guy called Emil Brunner, this Swiss theologian, and he called the Holy Spirit the shy member of the Trinity. His job is all about Jesus It's all about lifting Jesus up and saying, look, look, look. And last week, that's what Matt preached on, mission. How are we, a family of missionaries, empowered by the Holy Spirit? But the Holy Spirit not only lifts up Jesus and makes him known, but he forms Jesus in us. And that's what we'll be looking at today. Last week, we looked at mission. This week, we're going to be looking at holiness. How is Christ formed in us. And that word holiness has fallen on hard times, hasn't it? Holier than thou, better than thou. And it's not about us being better than other people. It is about us being formed into the people of God, having his character, having his heart, having his desires formed in us. That's what it's about. And each of us, you know, we tend to to swing either towards um, uh, it's just what we do, you know, we've been brought up in maybe in some traditions that it really doesn't matter how you live. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter. Well, all that matters is that you do stuff for him. Other traditions say, well, all that matters is, is inside, internal, holiness. And we forget about the world. And what I want to say is that the spirit is fiercely committed to both things, to making Jesus known And to having Jesus formed in us. And that's what we'll be looking at today. So I'm going to pray. uh, And then I'm, well, rather, I'm going to read first uh, Galatians, if you can turn there with me. Uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Now, if you grab the Bible, maybe, uh, from the uh, welcome desk in, and this is your first time opening it up, the the chapter is a large number and the the verse is a small number, but it'll, it'll be up on the screen behind me as well. Galatians 5. Chapter 16. Let's go. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But 
If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Let's pray, Father. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you that it is comforting. We thank you that it is provoking. We thank you that it is going to stir some things in us today, and we ask for your Holy Spirit. I ask for your Holy Spirit to blow through this place today that I would forget the things that are not going to be helpful for your people, and that I would remember the things that will lift your people up, that I will remember the things that are going to bring people from death to life. Lord, we are desperate for you to work. Our work is insufficient. Our work is broken. Our work is imperfect. But Lord, your work is perfect. You lack nothing. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would work in this place today to bring comfort where comfort is needed. To bring conviction where conviction is needed. And ultimately, that we would see Christ formed in us. And we pray this in the power of the Holy Spirit and in the name of Jesus. Amen. You know, if I um, had a rubber ball here, and I were to squeeze it, and just apply restraint, and apply pressure to that, Soon enough, I'm going to get tired, and I'm going to take my hand off, and the rubber ball is going to bounce right back to what it was. But if I had a Coke can, and I crushed the Coke can, that's not bouncing back. And so often, when I think about change, change in my own life, change in communities, change in societal structures, so often I feel that it's more about just restraining a rubber ball. And I don't know if this has been your experience as a Christian, or, or if you're not a believer yet where you want to change things in your life. But as soon as circumstances change, you bounce right back. And so often that's, that's, that's just what we do. We go through the motions, and we put restraint on behaviors. And we say, look, I've changed. And as soon as something else changes, we go right back. And today what we're going to be talking about is spirit-empowered change. Change like the Coke can, not the rubber ball. But I wonder, you know, some of us may be here today and you're thinking, you haven't even thought about change. Change is not, it's not in your index, it's not what you think about. But a quick uh, Amazon search on self-help brings up these uh, results. Personal transformation self-help books. How many are there? 87,837. Happiness self-help books. You have 17,000, it's meager. Motivational self-help books, pumps it up a bit, 69,829 books. For success self-help books, we have 34,000 coming in. Spiritual, watch it, spiritual 
self-help books, 29,000, but also there's just this broad category of just self-help books coming in at, you guessed it, 475,000 titles. We know there's something wrong. We know that somewhere we are broken. And so often these books, what they do, and, and I haven't read, you know, 500,000 of them, but they often give you techniques. Maybe you can just manage your time better. Maybe you can just manage your stress better. Maybe you can just take your mind off things and escape. And all these things do is they apply restraint to your life. They're trying to change you like I'm trying to change a rubber ball. And as soon as you get back into the office, as soon as you encounter this person there, as soon, what happens? You bounce right back. And this is true of, of people who don't believe in Christianity, people who, who wouldn't identify themselves as Christians. And it's just as true as those who do. And what, we, what, we're, listen, what we're desperate for, we don't want anything from you. Right, do you get you're not here. And we're, we're not asking you for stuff. What, what, what we want to do with Paul in Colossians 1, 27 and 28, he says, I yearn, I work, I toil, I strive so that Christ can be formed in you. We want something for you. And we want to see you live the life that Christ died for. He's worthy of that. And that's our goal. That's our aim. That is our M.O. But in order for us to do this, we need to do a couple things. One, we need to understand the nature of change. We need to understand the nature of what change is and what it looks like. But we also need to understand the process of it. Nature is the what question. And the process is the how question. We get that? We're on board? Nature. Okay. Couple things, couple, a couple, couple of things, really. Spirit-empowered change, what we need to understand for this to take root in our lives is, is it's, it's slow and it's inward. Spirit-empowered change is slow and inward. You know, you wonder why Paul uses the uh, uh, um, fruit. Why does he talk about fruit of the Spirit? Why not characteristics or uh, uh, things that you do. It, it's fruit. And have you ever realized how slow growth is, botanical growth and, and normal growth? I mean, I have a couple kids, right? And uh, uh, it's extremely slow how they grow. But isn't it interesting that we say, oh, have you grown? I mean, I'm about to sell a liver because I need to buy new school shoes for my kid. He's growing so quickly. But, but you could never look at them. You could never look at a child and say, hey, look, look, he's growing. It happens so incredibly slow and incremental. Growth is extremely slow. There's a story um, about this preacher. He was walking by a, a cemetery, and he saw this, this tree coming out of this uh, 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 marble slab. And we think, okay, so about 600 years ago, an acorn happened to get under this marble slab. And yes, it took hundreds of years for this acorn to grow. But let me ask you a question. If I had a, a, a 500 kilogram marble slab here and an acorn, and I say versus, who's going to win? What would we say? Acorn every time. Let's give enough time. Growth is 
slow. I want to read you something uh, from this uh, uh, 18th century uh, uh, priest and theologian. And I, I, I didn't put this up on the screen because I, I want you to just hear it. I don't want you to be distracted by uh, uh, reading forward or reading back. I just want you to sit in this and hear this as a word for you. Above all, quote, above all, trust in the slow work of God. We are quite naturally impatient in everything to reach the end without delay. We should like to skip the intermediate stages. We are impatient of being on the way to something unknown, something new. And yet, it is a law of all progress that is made by passing through some stages of instability. And that it may take a very long time. So, I think it is with you. Your ideas mature gradually. Let them grow. Don't try to force them on. As you go, as though you could today be what time will make of you tomorrow. Only God can say what this new spirit gradually forming within you will be. Give our Lord the benefit of believing that his hand is leading you. Give our Lord the benefit that his hand is leading you. Growth is slow, so we need to be patient. But growth also is inward. Did you notice the types of things that they are? Let, let me just read them to you again. Uh, uh, the, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. What he doesn't say, notice what he doesn't say. First, we notice what he did say, that it's the fruit of the Spirit, and therefore it's uh, a slow. But notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say the fruit of the Spirit is preaching. Or leading a gospel community, or counseling, or loving people, or, or, or rather, uh, uh, or rather, uh, um, uh, helping people. He doesn't say that the fruit of the spirit are these things. The fruit of the spirit cannot—you uh, cannot see them grow, but you can measure them. It's something like this. One of the ways that we know that we could know that we're growing in these graces, that we're growing in the fruit of the Spirit, is you, will, you, have, you would have encountered something, some uh, uh, trial, some hurt, some pain, maybe a, a few years ago. And you reacted a certain way. You, you, you speak of people a certain way. And a couple years later, you realize, I, I didn't react the same way. You didn't see yourself growing throughout those years. But when trial comes and when temptation comes, you can know that you are growing in the Spirit. These are inward traits. They're not outward. You know, Matthew 7. Matthew 7 is a scary passage. I'm going to read it to you. It should be uh, behind us. Matthew 7, verse 21 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will come and say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I always skip over that. That is a scary thing because the fruit of the Spirit is not just what we do. And so often we hide behind our activity. We say, well, I'm doing for the Lord. Other people are growing because of me. That's the fruit of their spirit, not yours. It is slow 
and it is inward. You know, 1 Corinthians also, 1 Corinthians 13. We, we probably, if you've uh, um, been at church or not, if you've ever been to a wedding, you've probably heard this. It starts like this, 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, I gain nothing. I mean, do, do you realize what Paul in 1 Corinthians is saying? He's saying you can give away everything you have and live a life of poverty, but do it for the wrong reasons. You can be burned at the stake for your faith. But you gain nothing if you do not have love. Apparently, we can be very busy. If we think that we are growing because of what we do on the outside. No, no, the fruit of the Spirit is love and peace and joy. They're inward traits that cannot be seen to grow, but they can, they will, they can be measured and tested. So that's the nature of faith. Uh, that's the nature of growth. That's the nature of the fruit of the Spirit. It is slow, so you can be patient. You need to be patient. You've you, you got to realize, God is far more patient with you than you are with yourself. Christian, God is more patient with you than you are with yourself. Let that truth Sink deep into your heart and comfort you. Because a lot of us, maybe, you know, we, 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 we're not seeing the growth that we think we should be seeing or, 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 or we're not seeing, uh, uh, um, we're, we're judging ourselves by other people. But God is more patient with you than you could ever imagine. Now, that's comforting, isn't it? The flip side is that spirit and power change is not only slow and inward, but it is inevitable and connected. It is inevitable and connected. You will grow. You may be under that slab for a long time, but you will grow. And, and this sometimes can be confronting to us. And I ask you, sometimes we need to walk away. We need to go back and ask ourselves, you know, don't ask yourself hard questions. Get people around you to ask you some hard questions. Ask them. We're often blind to one another, and this is why, to, to ourselves, and this is why gospel communities are so important. This is why triplets are so important. Listen, there are not things that we uh, uh, build to make our lives busier. There are ways that we can encounter the Holy Spirit of God in community. So ask your GC, how am I going here? And it's, it's inevitable, Romans 8, 28. And 29, it says that you have been predestined to be conformed. Listen, you have been predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son. You have been predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son. That is, that, that is your destiny. That, that is where you're going. It is inevitable that you will see change, but it's also connected. You know, some of us are naturally sweethearts. Some of us are naturally gentle. I'm not saying I'm one. I'm saying some of you are just nice folk. And whether you are a Christian or not, you'd be gentle. 
You'll be kind. And what I used to think is what Paul, say, what Paul says here is the fruits of the Spirit. Plural, the fruits of the Spirit. He says the fruit of the Spirit. It's not only inevitable, but they are all connected. We cannot say that I'm growing in gentleness, but you have no joy. You cannot say that you have self-control, but be rude and mean to one another. If, when we're growing in one grace, we grow in all of them. Just let, let's take a few and look at them. Let's talk about self-control. Some of us are very self-controlled. And we're self-controlled for what reason? Because we think that if I restrain from doing one thing or the other, then God will accept me. We're self-controlled for the wrong reasons. We're self-controlled, and yet we judge others who aren't as self-controlled as I am. Is that a fruit of the Spirit? Self-control comes out of joy. Self-control comes out of knowing that you are so loved by the Father that everything else grows dim. How do you get self-control? Self-control isn't just, I'm going to uh, uh, pull myself up by my bootstraps and just try harder and do better. Some of you are doing that. I've done that. That is not a fruit of the Spirit. That is a fruit. That is a work of the flesh. How about peace? You know, some of us are unflappable. Some of us have, you know, we walk through life with peace. Where does peace come from? Some of our peace is coming from our circumstances. Things are just going well, or you chose well. You made the right choices. You were born in the right time. You had good parents. So you have peace. You're good. Nothing bothers you. Is that a fruit of the Spirit? Let hardship come. Let trial come. Will the peace remain? How about joy? Where does your joy come from? Maybe things, again, are just going well for you. Gentleness. Again, some of us are gentle. You know, some of us, uh, uh, anyone can come to us and talk about how they've failed or how they've sinned, and you're gentle to them. Why are you gentle to them? Because you have no self-control of yourself. So, when we grow in one area of the fruit of the Spirit, we grow in all of them. And I don't want us to walk out thinking, well, this week I'm going to grow in love. But, you know, that person over there. Or this week, I'm going to grow in gentleness. But be completely not self-controlled over yourself. All the fruit, singular, the fruit of the Spirit. Not the fruits of the Spirit. I'm not going to focus on just, I'm going to be loving today, but be completely joyless. And I don't know if you've experienced that in your life, a joyless Christianity. I think it was John Stott who said that the, 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 the mark the mark of the Christian is joy. The mark of the Christian is joy. So I'm going to ask you, are you experiencing a growth in grace? Ask yourself that question and go back to your community group, your gospel community. Go back to your spouses if you have a spouse. Go back to your friends if we have uh, deep and meaningful friendships. Friends who are not going to pamper you. Friends that will tell you the truth in love. 
So, spirit-empowered change is both slow, it's both slow and inward, but it's also inevitable. It will happen. Again, you may be under that slab for a long time. And some of us are, are under that slab right now. And we're addicted. And we're mean-spirited. And we're judgmental. But is the Lord working in you? And again, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, blow this horn again. This is why gospel communities and triplets are so important for us to be engaged in, not just attend, but to engage in. Because we don't see ourselves too well, do we? So where do, you, where do we go? That's the question. Where do we go? So we know the nature. And, we, and now what we want to look at is how the process of it. I want you to go back to Galatians with me. Galatians 5, and I, I believe that the, the, the key is in these couple verses, verse 24, and those, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. And there's two ideas going on here, two, two ideas, and, and they're sort of archaic words. One is to mortify the flesh, and sometimes we still use that when you feel mortified, you feel embarrassed. And the other one is to vivify. One is to mortify the flesh, to kill the flesh, to, to starve the flesh, and to feed the Spirit, to bring life, to keep in step with the spirit. But what does that actually look like? And, and there's a word here in verse 24, desires. Desires. So often there's a gap between what we know up here in our heads, our, our doctrinal arsenal, our doctrinal knowledge, and our behaviors. So often there's a gap between what we know and what we do. And I believe it's here. This word has changed my desires. What does that mean? Well, the word there is over-desires. The word used there, the word that Paul uses there is you have to kill your over-desires, your lusts. Now, I believe that, that our, our tradition, which is, uh, you know, 2,000 years old, this guy called uh, Augustine that you may have heard of. He lived in the 5th century in uh, North Africa. And he had this idea that we are restless. We do not, we're not formed into Christ because our loves are disordered. They're not in the right order. We overlove things that we shouldn't. So what is mortifying? What does crucifying the flesh look like? It's not not loving sex, and it's not not loving food, and it's not not loving Netflix. Those are all good things. The problem isn't that we love these things. The problem is that we do not love Jesus more. You feel me? It's not that we love these things. It's that we love them too much. That we love them more than Christ. How do you mortify the flesh? You fall further and further in love of Jesus. And this, this is what happens. You, what you need to understand is that everything around you, everything around you is trying to get that number one spot. There's a draft in your heart every single day. Sorry, I'm talking about to, to the NBA fans here. There's a draft 
inside your heart, not like wind or, or, or war. There's a draft. Everyone's trying to get that number one spot in your heart. Everything around you is saying, I want to be number one. I want to be number one. I want to be number one. Our cultures are saying, you, make self one. Make sex number one. Make food number one. Make your children number one. Make ministry number one. Make preaching number one. Make gifts number one. Make your action number one. Find your identity there. Everything around you is vying for number one. You need to get that. You need to understand that the culture, as much as, as, as we want to be discipled and be disciplers and we, we want to make you more into, into Christ, everything around you is discipling you. Everything around you is a gathering. Everything around you is trying to shape your heart and your desires towards something else. And then second, you need to realize that so often what we say we desire most, the glory of God. What we say with our lips that we desire most, I think we need to bring ourselves some hard truth and say, in, in reality, I don't. Can, can you be real with yourself? Can you be real with your GC? Can you be real with your spouse? Can you be real in your triplets? Can you say, listen, there's something disordered in my heart that I do not love Jesus supremely. And until, if you're there, until we get there and until we can say those words and until we can face the truth of our own hearts, we're not going to move forward. And then finally, you need to form rhythms and practices in your life that hijack that number one spot for Jesus. Form rhythms and practices in your life that hijack that number one spot for Jesus. Uh, James K.A. Smith, uh, a philosopher and theologian, he said from Canada actually, sorry about that. It says, he says, if sanctification, that is the process of becoming holy and Christ-like, is tantamount, is, is supreme to closing the gap between what I know and what I do, it means changing what I want. And that requires, listen, that requires submitting ourselves to disciplines and regimens that reach down into our deepest habits. The Spirit of God meets us in that space, in that gap, not with lightning bolts of magic, but with concrete practices of the body of Christ that conscript, they, they take back our bodily habits. How do we become more Christ-like? It is by engaging in rhythms and practices like this. It is being under the word. It is uh, sharing in the table, communion. It is, it is uh, I mean, do, do you realize what we do when we take a bit of uh, pita bread? I don't take pita. It's pita. And, and some, some, some grape drink. I mean, did you, I, we, we do this every week, but do you realize what you're doing? You're hijacking the deepest desires of your heart, to say with the church, I do this in remembrance of the broken body and the, the spilt blood of Jesus. That's what you're doing. These are powerful rhythms that we are a part of. And the, and the church, our history, is so rich with these kinds of practices. You know, wh why do we fast? It's not something that our culture necessarily likes. We fast not to seem holier than anyone else. We fast so that we, when we feel the pains of want, that can be a signal 
of this is how I want my spirit to feel about Jesus. I want him. That I need him more than food itself. Why do we pray? We pray because as we pray, we are forming a space to encounter the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, these practices, these spiritual practices or disciplines, they, they're not the power. They're not the power. They're the conduit through which the Holy Spirit forms us into his people. When we plugged in these, uh, you know, the lights, sound equipment, I mean, none of this would be possible without copper. But no one's coming in and saying, hey, hey, look at this, all this copper that we're using. No, 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 no. It's not about the practices in and of themselves, but what they do, they give us a space where the Holy Spirit, J James Smith says, can meet us in that gap. And we are continually reforming our hearts and our desires because Ephesians 5.18 says to be filled with the Spirit. Now in English, be filled, it means it, it sounds like it's just past tense. Be filled with the Spirit. But what it says in, in, in the original is there's a continual action. You are continually being filled with the Spirit. You are continually encountering Him because it's a real relationship. And so often, if we just got that, that it is a real living relationship and not just head knowledge where we, uh, we knew Him or He filled us sometime in the past, and now I just have to live on old grace. His grace is new every morning. Uh, his mercies are new every morning. Lamentation. I mean, you know, if you've never read Lamentations, it's a book in the Old Testament written by a prophet called Jeremiah. And when he wrote that, when he wrote, your mercies are new every morning, the city was being besieged. They were starving. All supplies were cut off. It says that there was cannibalism there and corpses everywhere. And he says, your mercies are new every morning. But how? Why? Why is it that we get to experience the fruit of the Spirit? Why? Why are we called to love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control? Why? Now, let me tell you why. It's because on the cross, Jesus didn't experience love. It's because on the cross, Jesus did not experience the joy of knowing he was accepted by God. It is because on the cross, Jesus did not have the peace of the Holy Spirit. It's because on the cross, Jesus did not experience the patience of God. It is because on the cross, he did not experience God's kindness to him. He did not experience his goodness or his faithfulness or his gentleness. He did not experience those things on the cross so that you in community, in his body, can. You feel that? 
The only reason the ground, the concrete, the, the, the slab underneath this edifice of the Christian life is not fruit. You're not saved by fruit, but you get to experience that because he did it. Man, you know, the world has a lot of stories, a lot of narrative arcs, they call, you know, they call them. A lot of things that are saying, just put your identity in these things. I mean, when you look at it like this, that the God of the universe who created everything good, and we spoiled it, our parents, Adam and Eve, and he sent his only son to recreate us, to recreate the universe, to recreate the cosmos, and he's coming one day. Everything else is just, listen, boring. What a life without that. That is life. That is life. And the main, you know, the main work of the Holy Spirit in your life is not to give you success. And it's not only just to give you gifts, which we'll be talking about. And he does do that. But the main purpose of the Holy Spirit in your life, listen, is to transform you into the image of the Son. The question now is, do you want to join him? Do you want that? Because until we are, uh, until we taste the goodness of him and his love and his peace and his joy, and, and until we taste that on the palate of our hearts, we will never be changed. We will be like a rubber ball. We will form practices and, and, and we'll just squeeze on that rubber ball of our life. And it's going to go right back. The question is, do you want to change the fundamental structures of your heart so that, so that the desires of your heart, the number one place, is hijacked by Jesus? Do you want that? Go away asking yourself the question, do I want that? And maybe this is your first time thinking, I want that. Maybe this is your first time that you've actually considered who Jesus is and what he's done and how he has come not only to make uh, 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 the Holy Spirit, not only to make Jesus known, but to make Jesus formed in you. I'm going to invite the band up now. I'm going to pray. But I, I, I want to leave you with this. All these things that we talk about, the, 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 the work of the Spirit being slow and inward. The work of the Spirit being uh, inevitable and connected. All of that is based not in what you do or who you are, but in who Christ is for you. Who Christ is for you.